0: You're going to remember this every day for the rest of your life. If you want to get to a goal, if you want to get to your dream, you got to focus on all the little steps. You have to put in your time. You have to be patient and you have to enjoy the process. Whatever you're doing now, whatever you want to be great at, whatever you want to be special at, I'm sure you may be already be good at it. But to be extraordinary, you have to do extra. I firmly believe that we are all here for a very specific reason, to do something truly extraordinary. But what are you gonna do to get there? Welcome to the Magna Method Podcast, and I am very fortunate to sit down today with Mr. Todd McShay. Todd McShay is the ESPN draft analyst, and we are psyched to have him on the show today, Todd. I mean, welcome to the show, very excited.
1: I appreciate you having me man there's so it's much good, I... good thing for years and uh it's always good to catch up with you how you doing oh my
0: god I'm, I'm i'm doing great and we've been trying to make this work but todd's extremely busy and this is his busiest time of year so i'm going to be uh quick with their our questions and, and the story todd tell everyone about your path with football because todd was a good football player he went to the university of richmond we were teammates and um He's not only was he a, a good athlete, but he was—he's a, a great person, and I want everyone to hear his story because it's a pretty amazing story. So, tell us the story, Todd.
1: Well, while you were starring on the field, and I was running scout team and getting right. my ass handed to me by you. By I the way, but
0: he—he's also—he's also very <laughs> complimentary. Don't believe those <laughs> things, but believe the following things.
1: All right. Um, so I didn't want to. Didn't really, really play at Richmond, so I but I knew I wanted to stay in, in the sport. I loved football, always loved football. Found an internship between my junior and senior year, and at that point was doing kind of like undergraduate, technically undergraduate coaching, but basically just cutting up tape and filming stuff and. Just like go grab me a cup of coffee, type of stuff, just to stay involved with the with our football team. But Todd, so wait, I, yeah. I, I
0: want I'm sorry to interrupt. I, I I'm yeah. promise I'm going to work on that during the show. But I want everyone to understand what you went through when you were cutting up film, because a lot of people that are listening to this show, Todd, don't understand what it means to live in a film room and what types of things are you learning because you're spending so much time in that room.
1: Yeah. So one of the, one of the things we would have to do was, was um, we would go in after practices go in after, practices, go in after uh, games and, and just sit in the room and go through tendencies. So basically, all right, you write down every single play, we would have these sheets and this, is, you know, this is about I don't know, 15 or so years ago. Now it's, it's much more, you know, digitalized and everything is, is on the internet and it's all stored at that point. We still had, for every single play, it was just one sheet with what all 22 players on the field were doing. So where were they lined up? So first and 10, you would write down all the first and 10s. What personnel did they come in? Did they come out in two receivers or three receivers, uh, one back, two backs, one tight end, two tight ends, whatever the look was, and then what the play call was. And that's how you go through every single play. So you're talking on offense approximately 60 to 80 plays per game
0: oh my god same
1: thing on defense and and go through so you can see all right when we're playing james madison they on first first and ten seventy percent of the time like to run the ball and if they're on third and third and less than five yards they like to run to the left side behind their their best offensive lineman or they like to throw the ball and second down and you know seven or, or less yards that's how the tendencies are created but but it started with literally just sitting there and pausing on the remote that clicker the yeah. cowboy remote <laughs> and looking at and we're like all right you have five offensive linemen quarterbacks and shotgun running backs to the right and then what they did on every single play it it was brutal man right it was but you know what it taught me so many things about the game that i didn't really know and then just how to how to look at different tendencies and basically you know everyone uses analytics and talks about money ball and all these different things Ultimately, all of that stuff is based off of just tendencies and what works versus what doesn't work. Right. And the, it's almost like doing a, a medical test over time. Mm-hmm. You don't know if something's, if, a, if some kind of medicine is going to work unless you try it and what the repercussions are. And that's why they have to test things, and don't know for years, and, you know, if, if something is going to work. Right. And that's just like tendencies in football. So that, that's kind of how I got started and wound up doing, getting very fortunate uh my grandfather did some work with Bo Schembechler who's the great coach at Michigan uh did some a lot of recruiting stuff with him uh at the University of Michigan and he through that connection got me an internship with this guy who had just left the league named Gary Horton and Gary had worked with Bill Belichick and in that whole staff which was Nick Saban and that amazing staff at Cleveland that didn't really get a chance to succeed and and uh, wound up failing and obviously Um, you know, Belichick and Saban have gone on to do great things, but that was kind of the start of that whole coaching tree. And Horton was there with them. He spent some time in Tampa. He did, he worked in college and he wanted to start a scouting company Mm -hmm. that was basically an independent scouting group that would just consult for NFL teams. And so I went out the summer between my junior and senior year. He gave me an unpaid internship. 115 degrees every day in Arizona. Woke up at 4 a.m., worked until about 10 o'clock at night, would run to and from the office to this ratty motel I was staying in, because I had no money, and uh, basically used up every ounce of, every penny of savings that I had, and basically borrow more money from my parents to, um, to go do this and chase it. And he wound up hiring me. I actually went back to Richmond after the summer and during the fall, I was doing the stuff with the team, and then took our closet in our apartment building, mm-hmm. and and asked the guy, the three other guys I was living with, I said, do you mind if we, you know, it's nothing in here but a, you know, a bunch of shoes and jackets. You mind if I just put a desk in here, and that way I can work, and not bother you guys at night, but I can work overnight, because two nights a week I would have to work till about three, four in the morning, um, doing this stuff during the fall, because Gary had given me, uh, another unpaid position. So finally, he hires me and to he's moved from Arizona to New York. So I moved to New York, I have nowhere to live. He lets me live on his couch and he pays me $12,000 a year for the first year. Wow. And I'm living in Midtown Manhattan <laughs> and I'm eating a slice of pizza and like- So
0: you, so you could drink coffee. Yeah. You can drink one cup of coffee every day pretty much.
1: Yeah, yep, exactly. <laughs> I would load up on the snacks inside inside the office building. And uh, and that was it. And I got a huge raise year two, and was uh, got doubled up to twenty-four thousand. Still living in Midtown Manhattan, Oof. broke is a joke, but it's uh, it's paid off. It, it it was a grind, man. It was, and ever you know, I have a lot of young guys who are interested in scouting, and we know Joe you know Joe Douglas, who was the personnel director, played with us.
0: And one of our uh, teammates from Richmond as well, who's thriving, doing great.
1: Yep, he's basically the general manager of the Philadelphia Eagles, who just won the the Super Bowl and um,
0: congrats to Joey D.
1: But I, I, tell, I tell them everyone who asks and it's the simplest thing in the world. But if you want to get into this or any field where there's a lot of interest, it's just about, it's about working. It really is. It's simple. But like when you think you've worked hard, put in two more hours mm-hmm. because, because the next guy is and Joe Douglas for years. I mean, he, he would go, I would talk to him in August and then I would talk to him again, just like, late december early january and he would have been home 12 days right. in that four or five month period on the road just grinding on from one place to the next so and, and this is a family
0: guy by the way he's a family guy right so yeah, he, he misses he, his family sacrifice yeah,
1: two kids two kids and uh and, and it's it's taken a lot and they've had to move to several different cities and uh, finally settled in philadelphia and, and doing great now but you know, it, it takes a long time. He's about yep, 42 and started this business old. right when he was 20, 22, 23 years old. And I remember. so 20 years later, it's, uh, it's paid off, but it took probably 17 years before he was really starting to
0: 17 you know, make it, make years. It. exactly yeah. 17 years. And I think Todd, that's, that's the premise of the Magna method show. It shows the amount of work that went into the person becoming who they are today, because people don't see that work. They, you know, The most important things I say all the time is what you see when no one's watching or what what, what the, someone's doing rather than when no one's watching. And the work that you did, and I want everyone to know this that's listening, Todd was a, when you're doing film work at the University of Richmond, you're 20 or 21? Uh,
1: 20, 20 to 22.
0: Okay, and he's dealing with some, a great coaching staff, but an old school coaching staff that's very set in their ways and they're listening to Todd. Because Todd is the guy who's spending, they're spending a ton amount of time watching film. I mean a ton. Now Todd's spending twice the amount of time. So if I have a question about defense, and we happen to have a very special defense at that period at the University of Richmond, I would ask Todd a question, and he would tell me exactly what I was about to see. So the reason that, Mark Megna, Sean Barber, and Carrie uh, Goo and a bunch of other guys are making plays is because Todd's giving us great information, and you'll never hear about the guy that's doing the film breakdown or doing the studying, the analytics, and telling us exactly what we're going to see. So thank you for that, and thank you for being a good friend, number one. Thank you for doing all the work, number two, and thank you. But I for think
1: some st- of it had to do with a little bit of the talent that you guys had, but uh, I'll take I'll take a <laughs> small fraction of it. <laughs> yeah,
0: well, <laughs> I mean, I know how much work, and I would I would watch you walk out of that room looking like Matt Patricia with the eyes and the bags under the eyes, and 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 knowing that what you had been through, so it was incredible. So congrats. it's
1: worth it, though, man. You know, if, if not I'm in no position to give advice, but if, if someone was asking, honestly, I think some of the most fun years of my life were the years where I was making twelve thousand, twenty four thousand, you know, sleeping on on a guy's couch that was basically a stranger you know became a good friend of mine but right. but i look back on that time and there were sacrifices i mean i can't tell you how many nights guys that you know if a bunch of guys were living in manhattan and from college and friends from high school or were around i can't tell you how many nights hmm. i had to turn off my my flip phone my cell phone that i thought was the coolest thing in the world and i could barely afford to pay the bill uh but the old flip phone, and just have to turn it off because their friends were calling and out know, partying, have a good time. Hmm. But I don't look back on it and say, "Oh, I missed out." I, you know, I had plenty of time to catch up and do fun things and and enjoy it now. Right. Those first several years out of school, you know, if you're lucky to find something that you like to do. But even if you're not, it's that's when to me is the kind of the foundation. Like enjoy it and all that. But you get an opportunity when you're that young, have that much energy. Um, you you think you know have all the answers and you have none you know but i look back on that i the things i learned and the fun i had actually working like i enjoyed doing the work and that that's important too you you got to try to find something that you like to do and when you wake up in the morning you're excited to get out of bed because i see plenty of people unfortunately that that it's that's not the case and it's uh and it's tough
0: And that has a lot to do with your attitude as well, Todd, and you come from a a good family, good foundation. Let me ask you just uh, from the hip, is there, what did, because I I make mention to our team at our facility about the University of Richmond, the coaching staff, and their work ethic was legendary. Did that have anything to do with the way that you started to do things? Because I knew you were always a hard worker, but did that influence you?
1: Yeah, absolutely. No question. Because I... I you know, it's kind of cheesy and it's such a cliche, but there was a belief I think that we had, and a lot of a lot of teams do, but a belief that we were outworking everyone, mm-hmm. and that so we maybe maybe we don't have the best players. You know, maybe the team other teams have have gotten more. You know, three four star recruits to the, to their school, but right. that's kind of what Jim Reed and, and Joe Cullen and. And all of those coaches that we had and have gone on. I mean, i see Jim Rady's, the defensive coordinator at Boston College. I mm-hmm. had a blast seeing him and, and talking to him, and catching up with him. Frank Leonard, our old tight end coach, is oh, with yeah. them, with uh, Adazio and those guys at coach, Boston College. Coach and Colin. Joe Cullen oh is with the Baltimore Ravens and is bounced around the league. I mean, they're all maniacs, man. I mean, and we can laugh about it a little bit now when we see them, but they were absolute maniacs. And I, while you hated it certain days, hated the process at times, and you're a young guy and you kind of didn't get it. I think when I got into my 20s and I knew what I wanted to do and, and knew this is what I wanted to be and and that it was going to take a lot of work, I think that that helped knowing that, all right, right, I've been if I can get up at 5 a.m. and go do mat drills with those crazy SOBs, and mm. I, I can do this. Oh, I can yeah. stay in an office until midnight. It, it didn't feel like work ever because I always had that to compare it against. And I was like, oh, nothing is harder than what we went through. <laughs> and if you <laughs> like never, literally yeah. Literally nothing I've physically I know. or mentally done has ever been harder <laughs> than those summers in, in training camp and I, then like the off-season program.
0: I try to explain it to people. I'm like, I cannot put it into words you don't understand with the added pressure of the coaches screaming and then do it again and then starting practice from the beginning when the end of it wasn't very good. It was a psychological. It was psychological warfare and phys- physical torture, for sure. It really was.
1: But I think that's all. I mean, you look at what you're doing, and there are a lot of guys from that team that have gone on to have success. Not not just in sports, but a lot of guys that, you know, love the the sport that have wound up staying in it or, or going and doing other things around sports. That I think we all have that. There's some kind of drive there that's. I don't want to say it started there, but certainly was part of the development of all of us.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. Thank you for that, Todd. Let's fast forward. um, Tell us about your transition to ESPN.
1: So I didn't want to ever do radio or television. I had, that wasn't the plan. The plan was always to get into the, into the NFL and and go the route that Joe Douglas has gone. And, you know, the personnel be a scout and then hopefully one day a college director, and maybe one day be fortunate enough to be a general manager. And, And so I I had a couple interviews and opportunities, but we were developing this thing. It was called the war room, uh, the company we started. And then we, we realized that we had 16 NFL teams as clients. And we realized at one point, you know, we can make okay money, but if we ever want to make decent money or good money, it's going to have to be, we're going to have to do some stuff with media. So sporting news came in and gave us a contract to do print basically they had the sporting news magazine at the time and that's when the internet was starting to really pick up and you know everyone's getting their own websites and so sportingnews.com um, was where we did all of our work for the first i want to say three or four years mm-hmm. and then espn came in and when our contract was up with sporting news espn came in and said we you know we would like to we would like to contract you guys out to instead of do sporting new stuff and so we we did for the first. We got a five-year contract. After the first year, they wound up ripping it up and buying our company. Wow. And yeah, so I, I own, I owned, a five percent. That's what I own, five percent of it. And and the guy, there were some business guys that came in and investors, and so they wound up getting a, a big chunk of that money. But it's still at that point in time making no money. Now I have a steady salary, something I can rely upon. Plus, a, you know, a little bit of a bonus from being bought out and um kind of at that point it was a huge payoff for me for being you know eight years of of grinding away and and building this grassroots mom and pop type organization which really only included about seven people max Mm. so um so at that point we're part we're part of espn we're still just doing espn the magazine and dot com stuff but then uh, i got it up you know every once in a while i would get somebody calling Cowherd at the time would call and want to do an interview you know come on for 10 minutes and tell us what you see when you're scouting and it kind of built from there mm-hmm. and then i wound up doing espn you had just started which was really fortunate timing for me they needed somebody to do their draft stuff and and some more college analysis and so it, they started me there i look back at some of the i mean not that i'm great now and still have a lot of improving to do, but how <laughs> how bad I was on the air in the beginning you know, is kinda of, <laughs> kind of, you know, see how nervous I was at um, but it's yeah it's just become more natural now and, and ESPN is stuck with me and, and we've been there man, I think two thousand and seven was the first year I ever did radio and then probably two thousand eight or two thousand nine was the first time I did T V so it it's been about ten years now, right around there.
0: Wow what a ride, man! It's unbelievable. Um, I remember the first time I saw you on television. I said, "I know him," and then the person next to me said, "Yeah, right. You don't know anyone." <laughs> and I said, "No, no, no. That's Todd Todd McShay. He's one of my teammates from Richmond. We used to watch college football together on Sundays, and you know, his buddy used to drink all my protein shakes in the in, in, in the fridge. <laughs> uh, yeah, Pat, shout out to Peter Sousa, and uh, uh, it was just a great time. So, um, so how do you make your way? on the year, because, you know, for years and years, I myself was into height, weight, stats growing up. I said, man, I am going to play in the NFL. So I had to say, am I a linebacker, am I a defensive lineman, which was all craziness, and we know the story behind that. But how do you make you, and the reason I bring that up is because we, I was obsessed with listening to Mel Kuyper. Right. So how do you make your way to side-by-side and holding your own, which you always do with Mel Kuyper?
1: Uh. Honestly, it, it it just was a real slow progression. I guess is the best way to put it. I, again, I didn't. This was never the intention. Right, right. One day, all of a sudden, I'm sitting there and yelling back and forth at Mel, and I'm in one studio, and he's in his studio in Baltimore, and the host is in Bristol. And I started – that. I kind of remember being like, okay, so this is this is what I'm doing. You know, it it kind of a mental transition of okay, I still have to scout, I still have to do all this scouting stuff, but I better. If this is what I'm doing, I, I better learn how to, you know, get a little bit better at this and, and be more comfortable. And, and then also pinching yourself and being like, man, you know, I'm I'm talking – I'm going back and forth with Mel Kuiper right now, you know? Incredible. I got over that quickly, but it, I definitely – there was definitely some of that in the beginning of – and is Mel going to accept me? And Mel did. And it, it's kind of a – I don't know if it's a good lesson or – I I will never forget, you know, Mel's – Mel's an institution. Mel's right. one of the originals. And, you know, when you think of ESPN, he's probably one of the first ten names that comes to mind in terms of the history of it. Right. The very first day we ever did anything, you know, people would start asking him and then report back to me. But they would ask him, hey, do, is it okay that going back and forth to Todd and do you sure you want this young guy on your turf? And all He was great about it. He didn't no ego. He also – You know, was confident enough in what in what he was doing, that he never was threatened by me. He he pushed for me. He's still even to this day. I'm not. This is recently. So this year in the NFL draft, I've never been on the first day, like that first night on the set. Mm -hmm. I'm always on the second day and the third day. Mm -hmm. They they try to make you know that that first night is 32 picks, and it's their ESPN's thought process is to it's a greater audience and not necessarily like diving as deep into the draft stuff, more topical and and all of that. So it's always been Gruden for that first night or somebody else in that chair. And then I'll hop in this year. I think it's been announced. If it hasn't, it hasn't, but but, uh, Kirk Herbstreet's going to be on the set. Terrific. But but right with Mel and with Trey Wingo and Lewis Riddick.
0: Okay.
1: For the first time ever, I'm allowed, I'm going to be, I'm not going to be on the set, but kind of like Adam Schefter and Mortensen. I'm going to have my own little perch there and, and be part of the, the first night for the first time ever. Awesome. The, and I'm telling you the biggest reason why I'm going to be a part of that. And the biggest reason why I've, I've been part of day two and day three, the last several years is Mel Kuyper. Cause Mel has pushed for it and is over and over again. And it's not, so I, I don't want to go, you know, begging on something and I want to get it on in my merit but he has pushed for it so much and, excuse me has made has made this work where the back and forth between he and I is genuine but also like we'll, we'll get after it and he doesn't care what I say to him and he has thick skin and I, I'm the same way and that we can have fun with it that way because I, no matter what we say and we could get heated in the end of a five minute inter- interview he'll call me on the phone and we'll be laughing about something else that's so awesome. I, He's awesome. just been really cool. And I think I, I've tried to learn from that because there's so many people that are trying to do the same thing. And, you know, there's always competition in, in everything you do and you always want to compete and you always want to win, but you also, how you treat people is r- really important too. Oh, and, and being confident in what you're doing enough where you can see what potentially could be competition for you and say, Hey, bring it on. I don't, I don't care. I'm good. Mm-hmm. That that to me is, is being a real man, you know, just manning up and, um, and knowing how confident you are in what you're doing that you don't, you don't mind.
0: Wow. What a powerful lesson that Mel opened, uh, opened up the doors, uh, open arms and, uh, no ego there and just brought you along. That's so powerful. Treat people kindly and, uh, you can hold your own. You can hold your own, bring it in, right. bring people into your circle, man. That's powerful. Thank you so much for that. So, um, now it's busy time of year for you. Um, this is the time, and it's so great to have you on the show at this time because you're doing all the crazy, the mock boards and, and the, the you know researching players. What are you looking for in players now, Todd? Like, what are you looking for because you're sifting through the the piles of so many players but physically? What are you looking for?
1: Well, I literally sit in this room and watch tape, and so I'll go. I, I like to go through quarterbacks, you know, quarterbacks by position, quarterbacks. Mm-hmm typically first to get them out of the way because it's what people on TV and radio want to talk about the most and then just go each position and for each position there's different traits and I don't want to bore you with it you know every trait but I typically watch four coach copy games meaning that the tape is cut up into the tight version and then the wide version so you can see right. you know better and then you get to see on TV um, and I'll just sit in the room and just take notes and usually you know, just go through and, and try to compare the arm, arm strength, but accuracy more importantly, how a guy carries himself, what kind of mobility, how does he handle himself under pressure and just keep note after note. And there's are certain areas that I look for and evaluate. And then you put together your evaluation of him physically. And then the harder part, and it's kind of, it's not fully in my hands. I it's through friends in the league guys like Joe Douglas and, uh, Dawn Jones, um,
0: Dewan Jones, another yeah, teammate. He's Seriously. with the
1: he's with the Ravens as a scout. Yeah. Awesome. Um, yeah, I mean, there's a, a bunch of guys in the league that I, I talk to, and they they will help me with the medical because every team has a medical staff, and mm-hmm. we go to Indianapolis for the combine. Mm-hmm. and You get medical reports, and that kind of affects a player's. It can affect a player's grade based off of you know what what kind of concern you have for durability, and then the character stuff. It's amazing these scouts I've talked to. You know when they first started scouting it was 70 30 70 percent of evaluating tape and 30 percent of kind of being a private investigator and going right. to each school and finding how does this guy work talking to the the, the the staff in the cafeteria how does he treat people talking to teammates is he a good teammate is he care for care about you is you know is he there for you um, go to local bars is, is this guy in here too much? Is he cause, do they cause par- problems? Who are the troublemakers? You know, those sorts of things that you're doing in every town in your area and collecting all of that information. And the guys have said that, you know, it used to be 30% on the, the private eye stuff, and now it's become almost 70% of that, 30% wow. of the tape. Wow. So, um, you know, that, that kind of information can affect the players really too, and, and that comes from 15 months of other guys out there scouting and, and – investigating and then i I, i'm fortunate enough to have friends that will will help me out say hey this you know careful with this guy a lot of uh concerns about Mm -hmm. him partying too much or he doesn't love the game or you know whatever the issue may be
0: right so when you see an 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 athlete do you do you ever get any like backlash? Like you you're you have to be opinionated. That's your job. And you see things. You research things. You do your due diligence. And then you see an athlete that he's got. He's a great player, a great producer, a great performer. But he's got off the field issues. When you speak to that, do you get any backlash from the family, from the parents, from the athlete, from the community? Oh yeah,
1: yeah. What's I that? I have a like? list. I'm, I keep a list on my phone. Every so what happens is we you know we obviously talk about these players and I. I don't I get zero enjoyment out of saying something negative about a person. and I always try to keep in mind too that I, I wasn't a good you know good enough player to even play in the FCS level, let alone the NFL. So careful, you know, of keep that in mind, keep that as perspective when I'm I'm sitting here talking. but I'm also it's my job to compare and to give fans and audience a, an understanding of why it is. That this player is going to be the first overall pick, or why it is this this player, like a Tim Tebow, who is great, maybe the best college football player I've ever watched, Mm -hmm. why he isn't going to work in the NFL. And so you go through that process, and then the last couple weeks before the draft, all a bunch of these players come through what we call the car wash in Bristol, and I'm in there all day doing TV, and and they're on the same shows, and I'm interacting with them, and I've got this list in my phone of players that either have given me attitude or they've had their agent give me attitude or a family member it's like you know and it's it's not that long of a list but and I won't reveal it to you of course because it's not you know it doesn't matter but right. every single one of those players mark went on to be bust in the NFL wow
0: wow that's powerful
1: and wow. everyone every one of the players that I maybe had some negative things to say about it or wasn't necessarily in their camp like Russell Wilson you know, I, I like Russell Wilson. I gave him a third-round grade. He went in the third round. But I, you know, I was concerned, just like the whole league, mm-hmm. passing on him for two full rounds of draft picks, that 5'10 and 3'8 inches has never worked. No one has ever sustained success at the quarterback position. Yeah, so you, he was going to have to be the first of all, ever.
0: Yeah, You don't so make there, it up. You're not trying to bash the guy. But when, exactly. when has it so, ever worked? You're just playing history.
1: Right. So he's he's the one in a million, okay? Right. But he comes into Bristol and instead of you know instead of giving me grief or giving me a look or an attitude or having one of his agents say something to me he comes in and embraces it and and looks me in the eye and shakes my hand and talks to me and sits down and wants to sit down and just talk to me Mm -hmm. he's he was from richmond so we had that connection and he he knew that i went to richmond so he did his homework and he he explained why he's going to have success and understood why you know why there was some concern But don't. I think he said something along the lines, "Don't bet against me, man. Don't you know something like that?" That's
0: right. That's right. You told me that story.
1: That's being a. That's being a stand-up guy and having thick enough skin. That you're able to take criticism, but you're not going to let it bother you. You know, and and he did that. He was a great example. Um, Derek Carr was another one who who just handled it like a like a man. Shook my hand. Talked to me. I'm going to have success i know i am so it doesn't really matter but i'm not going to give attitude and make it into into a thing whereas 15 other guys that have, have had issues i had one one player's sister at the SP's one year was threatened to smack me wow <laughs> While we're standing in line yeah to, to go oh into my the
0: goodness event gracious
1: yeah so and that players that player went on to have a lot of failures and and i the reason i bring it up is i think there's something to that. And the only reason I keep this list isn't, yeah, I told you so by any stretch of the imagination, there are plenty of guys that I've missed on and, and we all do. But the reason I keep that list is to remind myself, you know what? People are going to say is some bad things about me too. They do. I, I mean, my Twitter feed is, is full of it. Mm. Look at the guys who didn't handle it. Well, and when they get to the league, I think a lot of those same, th- same things became issues and became magnified. The media is not treating me well. I'm not getting my way. I'm... Early failure. Well, you know what? We all fail. I mean, every single year, we all fail in what we're doing. But get back up and keep going. And don't worry about what everyone else is saying. Worry about doing what you can control and, and be a stand-up guy about it.
0: Absolutely. Another powerful lesson. Man, we're going to have to put this into text and like sell the book Todd thank you so much <laughs> yeah, <right. laughs> no I mean it thank you um all right quick let's make let's wrap it up quick because I know you're so busy um we thank you once again for doing this Todd give us first of all let's talk quickly about uh Kyle is it Luletta from Richmond yep Luletta what do you think
1: I think he's a good player the more I watch the more I like this guy and I
0: and by the way I'm you know, sorry he was the senior bowl MVP that's why I bring him up and he's from our alma mater so please sorry
1: Todd. yep and he, um, he i watched two tapes of him before the Senior Bowl. Went to the Senior Bowl, and you know, I, first of all, I didn't want people to get the impression I was I liked them because i just because I was a Richmond guy. I'm going to evaluate him the same way I would anyone. But I was really impressed with him throughout the week. I thought he picked things up as, as quickly or quicker than all the other quarterbacks. And we're talking about guys like Baker Mayfield and Josh yeah. Allen from Wyoming, who's going to be a top-ten pick, and uh, you know some other really talented quarterbacks from big-time programs. And and Lauletta came in and held his own and kind of got better every day. He doesn't have the biggest arm. Mm-hmm. I, I don't want to compare him to Brady, right. but he's kind of... Bradyish. ish Yeah, in terms of just being a perfectionist and the, the release quickness and just handling his business and and brady didn't have the biggest arm I and it got better as, as time went on and he trained and yeah, he worked, and on, worked it. on it absolutely yeah it worked exactly and, and um and i think that's the same with this guy i think Lalette has got a chance to be you know third fourth round draft pick and probably a backup in the league for a while but i think you know like a case keenum this year with the minnesota vikings he bounced around the league for a long time finally got a great opportunity and and got inserted and, and wound up in the Super Bowl. And so, you know, you, you just never know. And I think LaLeta, because he's so smart and because he's efficient, I think he's got a chance to uh to have some success in the league, which would be a really cool story for a, a guy coming from University of Richmond.
0: Okay. Uh terrific. It was is it true story real quick, uh that he was sick earlier in the week and had the flu? Is that a true story?
1: It might be. I'm not I'm not aware of that. But okay. It, that might be the case, yeah.
0: Okay. Give us one sleeper. Uh can you, give us one, can you give us one sleeper that you like? A sleeper. So sleeper. In the, yeah, sleeper in the draft. Small. It could be small school. It could be big school.
1: I will go with, well, Dallas Goddard is a tight end from South Dakota State. I don't know if he's going to be technically whatever you would call a sleeper, but he's a small school guy right. who's going to wind up. I don't think a lot of people know that name at this point, but Dallas Goddard is my opinion is the best tight end in this draft and he's got a chance to be a a first round pick when it's all said and done which which is pretty amazing when you're you know coming from south dakota state and get almost zero national recognition during the year but then wind up being one of the first 32 players called by the uh, commissioner on the first night of the draft
0: man what a great endorsement by todd mcshay um, there was a, a real quick there was an athlete from LSU defensive tackle uh, originally from Massachusetts I believe he got hurt a couple of years ago and he, he came back it was a great comeback story do you know who that athlete is defensive tackle really tough kid Christian Christian I forget the name um,
1: tough l- 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 l-
0: yes l- yes l- Yeah. he was tough yeah, I- man is he? Uh, is he on your board at I didn't know all? he was from
1: Massachusetts. Yeah, he was yeah, from Massachusetts.
0: He is, I think the, he's, he's going to
1: be like a fourth, fifth round pick, I would guess.
0: Oh man, that's great. Low
1: Couture, I, I don't know. how Yeah, yeah, to that's
0: exactly right. Low Couture. I mean, he was just a tough kid. Man, I was so impressed with him.
1: Yeah, they've got a few defensive linemen out of uh, LSU as they always do. Arden Key is another one, but uh, but yeah, no, he's uh, he is a tough kid. And he's he's had a long journey, mm-hmm. so it's it'll be interesting to see. I think he'll be a day three pick and don't have a chance to make a make a team is a, probably a backup and the guys got to contribute on special teams
0: okay all right i'm gonna end it right here i just got a, uh, a speed round of questions it's six questions todd first question who is your mentor uh that taught you so many powerful things in your life that you just want to thank
1: i would say gary horton i mentioned him earlier but he's the first one who gave me a chance and believed in me and trusted me To kind of carry on this This company that he started with his Own money and his family's money And uh Yeah I mean I I wouldn't be here today if it wasn't For Gary Horton
0: Terrific Um, One habit or ritual That's a bit quirky that most people Don't know about that may help you It may not help you but one Ritualistic thing that you do It's a part of your schedule your daily routine Your grind
1: Uh I would say I'm a weirdo about like when I'm sitting down typing and typing up evaluations and stuff like when I sit down at my desk to work, I have to clear the whole desk. I take my wallet out of my pants, I take my wedding ring off and put it to the my left, oh, my man. watch off, <laughs> and I I can't have anything on my hands and arms when I'm typing. That's probably I could consider that a little quirky, right?
0: Oh, <laughs> uh, that's very quirky actually. Is there one uh, NFL franchise that you value more than others or one organization, or maybe it's an executive that you really appreciate the way they do things? Can you even say that? I don't want to put you on the spot. but uh... Yeah, I can
1: say I mean, there's a bunch of guys and, you know, obviously a lot of friends in the league. But I, I always respected the way Ozzie Newsom did business. Oh, yeah. Baltimore. Just, yeah, Baltimore Ravens. They obviously had a, a lot of success. I think I part of the reason I appreciated it so much is I, you know, i good friends of Joe Douglas, who right. went to school with. Andy Whitel was with them, and his brother Kevin White.ell worked with me for many years and actually just got hired by the Ravens uh, last summer. Um, you know, just, Phil Savage is another guy who works. He just – so many guys from that organization under Ozzie went on, have gone on and continuing to go on and do great things in the league. And I think it, it is a place where he did a great job of teaching his scouts how to scout, keeping the organization together and that the coaching staff knew what they wanted to players and would evaluate that and work with the staff and show them, Hey, this is what I want. Go out and get it. Which it's, it seems common sense, like common sense, but so many organizations don't do a good enough job with that. I think mean, Bill, Bill Belichick is probably the best at it. His scouts know exactly what they want right. in terms of the scheme and fits and, and what players at every position and it makes it easier for you to do your job, and then you're all working together as a team. But Ozzy always did that, and I always appreciated how he treated people. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And you know, you, you feared him because you were his boss, but you really, you loved him, and you wanted to, you wanted to have success, and and for him to have success because he's so good to you and the way he treats people, and, and then just his patience that he has, specifically on draft night, he never makes it an overly anxious move or you know does something because of, of the stress of the moment or needing something he never got greedy. And I always would just sit back and patient, wait for things to fall to them, take deals if they, if they were too good not to take, but never, he never went out and did something that seemed like a, a move from impatience.
0: Right. What a skill, what a skill to have. Favorite question to ask, uh, one of these younger, uh, to be draft choices.
1: favorite question to ask, um, I, I like to find out who who they study and then why. You okay. know, anyone can list a list a player, but you. What I learn from that question more so is: Are they BSing me, or do they really study? Right. And I want to know specifically. Like, I study Mark Magna because I, I I think he does a great job with his hands, mm-hmm. and he's a technician. And and then if they can recall a play or two or a matchup where they won, that's where I know that they really care and love the game and put in the time versus guys who are just preparing for the process and have a couple guys up the top of their head that they've, you know, remembered.
0: Interesting. Interesting. Are you studying body psychology when you're sitting down with them?
1: Yeah, I don't. That stuff more comes from the teams. And each team has a psychologist in the room when they interview players. Okay. And so some of the questions seem ridiculous, but it's more the, the reaction that the psychologist is looking for. And the body psychology and do they get, temperamental do they get um you know self-conscious right you know what are some of the tips that can lead it really is a fascinating part of the evaluation process that very few people talk about you know bill polian who was the six-time executive of the year in the nfl worked with the colts and bills uh, mostly during his career um he he talks all the time about they had a a psychologist who they, they built a framework of what like they wanted in their team and what locker room they wanted to have. These are the type of people who are going to fit in. These are the type that won't. And if they – if the psychologist, is you know middle-aged woman who's just dealt in psychology, if she said after the interview process and after they got their questionnaires back and all that, that this guy doesn't fit the profile, they take that player off the board. That's it. Wow. wow. It, it doesn't matter how good of a player he is – it's all about he's just not going to fit with what we do here
0: that's incredible that's incredible okay last question what's your favorite pastime when you're not doing espn things uh mock drafts studying breaking down film favorite thing to do in your downtime because i know you have very little of it
1: well it's it's become my kids you know going to the beach with my kids stuff like that i've got a three and a half year old and a two-year-old but if i'm if I'm gonna do something for just pure pleasure, with without having to chase the kids around the beach, it would, it would be golf. And I golf. still, I'm not good at it even <laughs> that either. It's crazy, the amount of time. Although I don't get to play it as, nearly as much as as most people, but play. I think a couple months during the year, I get out there a few times a week, and I'm still not that good, Mark. I, no, I don't believe. I don't that. know. I, no, I'm sure you're it, good. At something, it. something tells me golf wouldn't be a good sport for you and your temperament, anyway.
0: Are you? It's be- not good for me. Definitely not. Are you, are you better than Elio? <laughs> Am I what? Better than Elio?
1: Ah, uh, we're close to even. He has the ugliest swing of anyone in America, but he's just a really naturally talented athlete. Yes, he—it's
0: he, <laughs> crazy, but he is. He's a—that's that, my college roommate and uh, one of uh, Todd's good friends. We're all great friends. And Elio and Bernoni is a great athlete. I—I still can't figure out how and why, but he
1: is. He's like three hundred pounds. <laughs> he's got plumbers. Ass hanging out every day. He shows up to the course, and these his wife has bought him these long polo shirts to go down to like his knees. uh He goes out. He just says this horrible swing. He's got a, you know. He's, just, he's a mess. All of a sudden, he, he hits the ball of 190 right down the middle.
0: By the way, that was not a coincidence that he was paired with me as a roommate. It wasn't a coincidence. Oh, I think I was a full time. Some of the funniest
1: stories. My good, favorite great
0: times. Good. Tell my me.
1: Favorite is when you stuck his head through the wall and and he remembers like you know it's one of those cheap apartment walls i cannot confirm
0: or deny that that statement
1: yeah it, it, this may may just be a, a myth a lore but uh he says he remembers being like, having his head in the wall and looking like through like you know it's one of those cheap walls which just hollow in the middle and he's like i'm my head's in there I'm, i remember thinking to myself should I just stay in here for a little bit? Going to oh, cool man. down or should
0: oh. I come back out? <laughs> oh, my goodness. Best times of our life, man. Todd, thank oh, you so blessed, much, man. man. You are the man. I wish you a lot of you're luck. You're the best, dude. The draft and uh, best uh, of the just family. Just so
1: everyone knows, you've, you've always been a great friend to me. You've been a, a someone I, I admire for your work ethic, the way you, you carry be. yourself. You've always carried yourself. And, uh, and you're a special dude and you'll always be a good friend.
0: Thank you, brother. Lots of love and uh means the world to me. Best of the family and take care. All right, same to you. Bye-bye.